Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. It's Monday the 7th of October coming up. The cost of farm fires in Kent revealed. Farms are not factories. They are places where people live. And so arson that might seem humorous or even if it is vindictive and nasty, actually the threat to life is quite significant on a farm. An insight into what Kent could be like without charities. We're always going to be reliant at some level on people's goodwill and the goodwill of the community because charity is your community, that's what it is. And a good weekend for the Jills as it's confirmed this weekend's game will go ahead. As a squad we're developing, we work hard and we're a budget that's in the bottom four. Our chairman's never hidden it, he said at the start of the season. And we're trying to make that bottom four budget a top ten. Kent Online News. First today, Kent Online's been told the cost of deliberate fires on farms in Kent has hit its highest level in four years. A new report says the price tag of all blazes in the southeast increased to almost six million pounds last year. That's up from 43%, with more than a quarter thought to have been started on purpose. Last year's particularly dry summer is also being partly blamed. James Simpson is from Adrian Scripps Fruit Farm in Tunbridge. In March we had um, possibly the largest arson attack we've ever had on the farm, um, where we had... um, uh, a total of £44,000 worth of fruit bins were deliberately set alight um, just late one Tuesday afternoon. And what kind of impact did that have? I imagine that must have halted proceedings in work for a period of time. Yeah, what that does is, I mean, that throws the whole site into turmoil. That was actually during our working day, which in some respects is easier than having it at night. Um, previous arson attacks we've had have been during the working day or at a weekend but never at night. Now what that does it just causes a lot of disarray so the site comes to a stop because we've got a serious issue with health and safety with our staff and workers and public on the site. Um, the, the fire was right next to a public footpath so we had to cordon the area off, uh, close it down and of course the, the risk to adjacent buildings, adjacent properties um, was quite severe and there was uh, quite a risk of um, uh, you know health you know with with people being injured possibly. And I remember seeing the, the video. I mean, you just showed me the video before, but I remember the video from the time as well. And it was a vast fire that you could see from quite a way away as well. What was it like for you and I guess the dozens of people that work here to see that? Uh, actually, very frightening. Um, I got to the fire, um, there was a small plume of smoke that we could see and we weren't expecting anything to be on fire, we don't have open fires on the farm. And um, so I ran to the site fairly quickly and it was just taking hold and it it wasn't too bad. So I asked um, some of our staff to see if we could move the bins away that had been set fire to, but within minutes you couldn't get anywhere near it. There was a plume of smoke hundreds of feet in the air uh, and the fire was incredibly intense and hot. And in the context of kind of rural crime in general we heard some figures earlier in the year about how rural crime was also um, getting to the top levels in the county too what kind of effects is it having having on yourselves but also you know businesses in the surrounding area it's a great worry, you know, uh, we invest, like many farmers and growers invest, um, quite a lot of money in security on site, so we've got CCTV that covers the whole site, and the perpetrators or the alleged perpetrators of this crime have been caught on CCTV. 
Um, but it means we're spending quite a lot of money annually on CCTV, security systems, additional fencing, uh, security on gates. Now you might say that we should be doing that as good businesses, and, and we are, um, but it just means we have to be extra vigilant and we have to be extra careful. I mean, we don't trust a single vehicle that comes on site now or we keep an eye on people that are walking around the footpaths that are on site. And that's a, a disappointing place to be. The other thing you've got, of course, is that um, you know farms are not factories. They are places where people live. And so arson that might seem humorous, or even if it is vindictive and nasty, actually the threat to life is quite significant on a farm, and perhaps more so than uh, a warehouse that might not be occupied at the time. Andrew Siggs is from NFU Mutual in Sevenoaks, which ensures many farmers in the region. It's been a lot better than it used to be. Uh, I think there's a lot more caution taken this year, for example, for the, for the clients that I deal with. We've had one farm fire, which was uh, pre-harvest, field of barley, uh, a neighbour hadn't really thought about the weather conditions, started a bonfire, it spread through his hedge and took out about 20 acres of barley. So it was just unfortunate, um, but that's been the extent of it locally that I'm aware of. Um, I think you know, throughout Kent uh, it has been another very dry summer uh, and there has been you know, a number of fires around the area and also because it had been so dry uh, when combining and actually the handling of the crops after harvest, uh, tinder dry conditions, very dry crops coming into the stores, quite a lot of rubbish with them which is very dry, that accumulates uh, and then yeah, there's always a risk there of, it, of a fire being caused in the, in the machinery. And of course you're talking there about so much of these dry conditions and yes. the farmer who we've been speaking to has been saying that he's kind of a little bit fearful. Do you think he almost has a right to be fearful at this stage? Well, not now, it's rain. But uh, I think, you know, fortunately, uh, I think there is much more awareness, uh, both among the public, who are generally very concerned that what they do uh, is, is mindful about the, the, the place that they live uh, and how they act. I think that the, the decrease in nationally in smoking uh, has reduced the incidence of just the casual uh, cigarette end being discarded and that causing a problem. Uh, in a, and I think just generally, with, fortunately, with the, the Fire and Rescue Service now having recently uh, uh, has started an initiative where they can access farm water supplies, they're carrying an amended uh, adap uh, adapter uh, or correct adapter on their uh, engines or water pumps so they can access farm water supplies, which they haven't been able to do in the past. Uh, and so I think that all that, the, uh, if there are incidents, they are becoming less serious. Um, and I think, again, just the, the, the wider awareness that people's respect for the countryside, I think, is, is at a high level. You can also watch our video report on this story at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online reports. The family of a 21-year-old who was stabbed to death on a night out in Maidstone have slammed a rapper's apology on social media. Andre Bent died after being attacked in Jubilee Square shortly after a Mostack performance at Gallery Nightclub in August. The North London musician tweeted for the first time last week saying sorry for staying silent and offered his condolences. More than a dozen people have been arrested over the violence. A 16-year-old's been charged with murder. A Medway man has been quite 
questioned by police after another man was hit and killed by a lorry in Essex. It happened on an industrial estate in Basildon on Friday. A 55-year-old from Rochester has been released while investigations continue. There's a warning to drivers as urgent work to resurface the Thanet Way gets underway today ahead of Brexit. About two kilometres of the coastbound carriageway needs to be done. That means closures will be in place between Brenly Corner and Whitstable from 8 tonight until 6 in the morning. That's today and tomorrow. The road has been described as a key strategic route. There will also be a closure from Clapham Hill to Herne Bay from Wednesday to Friday. Meantime, a reminder, if you get the train to work from Kent, the new autumn timetables come into force, meaning changes to some services. Southeastern say 50 million leaves falling on the tracks during the season means drivers need longer to stop and start as the wheels have less grip. Some trains will be leaving a few minutes earlier, while evening trains from London will arrive back in the county a bit later. Now, Kent Online has been told what Kent could be like if it wasn't for charities. More than 1.8 million of us live in the county, but there are 15% of children living in poverty, and part of Thanet has been named one of the most deprived areas of England. The Kent Community Foundation supports charitable organisations and provides grants. Chief Exec Josephine McCartney has been telling Ollie the situation could be a lot worse. How important is the charity sector to Kent and Medway? Um, it's extremely important, Oliver. It's um, the backbone, I suppose, of the whole county. Um, without it, I don't think lots of people would get the support that they really need. So it really is, if we didn't have that that charity sector, I mean, what, what would the county look like, for example? You know, it's a, we're a huge county. Uh, in your own annual review, you talk about the fact that there's 1.8 million people living here, which is one of the, this, the largest population of all the English counties. Um, and what, what does that mean then if, if we didn't have these charity organisations helping people? So you, although there is quite a significant homeless problem in Kent, you would definitely have more homeless people. Um, you would have more people who are dealing with mental health issues, whether that's um, anxiety to you know being suicidal, who wouldn't have anywhere to turn. Uh, um, you would have children who need support that w- just wouldn't get it. Um, a lot of so, so only seven pence in the pound in terms of mental health services goes to children's uh, mental health so um, there's a huge reliance on the voluntary sector to to be able to support those families and those children so actually that's a a big area um you would definitely have more people going hungry because there are there are more food banks across the county so without um and those food banks are charities um so without those um you would have lots of people who just really wouldn't be able to feed their families and and that's a that's a terrible situation for for any county to be in so yeah hugely reliant on the voluntary sector because food banks um have been a a huge story and it's one that that Kent online and the km group have covered a lot over the last few months yeah um it it only seems to be a problem that's that's increasing yeah well i think it started off really um being coming more to the fore because of the universal credit so the change in all of the um you know benefits that families could claim uh, um and legitimate claimants uh, um and so what happened was there were quite a few families who were receiving benefits and then because they were under review those benefits stopped and for a lot of those families they didn't actually have any money there wasn't any other money coming in so they were reliant on food banks and the trussell trust are the the kind of the UK food bank 
charity. So most of the models in Kent are based on the Trussell Trust model where you actually usually could only go three or four times to the one food bank in order to, because obviously there's only so much food being donated, there's only so much money being donated. So in order to be fair to everyone who could use it, they had to restrict it. And that's terrible as well. The fact that, you know, they actually have to restrict the amount of times you can actually go to a food bank to actually receive food while you're waiting for um, the government. And this is not local authority issue. This is a, you know, this is a government initiative to actually um, figure out what level of benefit you're entitled to. So, um, you know, so, so that's kind of where it started. But then, you know, lots of people are using food banks, you know, police families, you know, nurses, um, you know, paramedics, you know, it's it's not just people who are on benefits that are using food banks, it's people who are um, families where both parents will be working, but their rent is, and their overall, you know, sort of monthly outgoings are far outstripping their, their income and they have no choice. So, you know, that's a, that's a huge national issue. It's not just a Kent issue, but, that's kind of what's happening and that's why it's a bit like a perfect storm in a way where you know rent and house prices are going up but salaries aren't going up at the same rate and for people who um, are unable to get a salary increase or get a different job because it's just not that easy you're kind of stuck in a way and you have to do the best you can so I, I'm not surprised that there's more food banks. Is that a, a systemic failure then on, on the part of the system you know should we have to be relying on the charity sector in 2019? No, no, we shouldn't. But I think it would be unrealistic to say that, you know, I think so when I worked in a national charity, our objective always would have been um, that we didn't have to exist ultimately, that we everything we were championing um, would be delivered by um, local authorities and by, um, you know, government. But the reality is that that has never been the case and never will be the case. So um, so I think we're we're always going to be reliant at some level on people's goodwill and the goodwill of the community because charity is your community, that's what it is. They awarded £2 million last year and are now looking to support groups dealing with issues like period poverty and domestic abuse. You can listen to the full KM Community podcast with Josephine at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Students are being offered free meals in exchange for commuting between university campuses in Kent after bosses failed to fill accommodation in Medway. The Uni of Kent didn't reach its 470 student target for the Chatham Maritime campus for September. Kent Online's been told freshers who are studying in Canterbury are being bussed to live at Liberty Keys in Gillingham. The figures have been described by the uni as disappointing. And remember, Benny the Beluga? Well, now another whale has been spotted in the Thames estuary by North Kent. At Kent Online, you can see the humpback, who's been nicknamed Hesse, and has been photographed in the water not far from the QE2 bridge at Dartford. Experts from the British Divers Marine Life Rescue have confirmed the sighting and say they'll continue to monitor its movements. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham managed to bounce back from two defeats as they beat Southend United at the weekend. It finished 3-1 at Priestfield but could have been even more with the Jules missing two penalties. Manager Steve Evans spoke to us after the game. I think it was an interesting game. I think it was a game that we'd, because of our poor first half last week, I think we'd, we'd, the players' reaction from half-time last week was fantastic. Like whatever the scoreline looks like it at Oxford when you lose 3-0 but I think arguably we should probably come away from Oxford 3-2, just given the second half. And then we asked the players to have a real reaction in the week. They've worked incredibly hard. And we asked them to have a reaction today. 
disappointing aspects of me in the game today at half time. I'm probably walking off the pitch thinking, why is it not 4 5 0? But it's 1 0 and you have to deal with it. We got a great reaction from the from lifting the boys and reminded the boys about the standards they worked hard all week about. We got the second goal and we're, we're totally in command. There's no there's no threats to anything. And then we, we give a silly goal away really. It's a it's a poor goal to concede. Um, and then they have a little five minute spell where they they're sticking it onto two big strikers who look bigger than Big Ben to me. And uh, so they have about three or four minutes of play where you're thinking we just need to see this little passage out and make yeah. a chance. And then we um, we passed that around and we made some chances and then and it was good. But they made it difficult for us. But I think when we got we missed the two penalties and we probably scratch our heads. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing about Mikel and Jolie's reaction to missing the second penalty not was to be a 19-year-old kid that goes down. This was a 19-year-old kid that was given South United problems all afternoon and he and he showed his class. I thought he was. I think he especially post his second penalty miss. I think he was sensational. His, his pace, his direct running, his link-up play. And you see the reception he got at the end. Got the ball a lot, didn't he? Today? Yeah, I thought it was terrific. I think I, I travelled up to to Kilmarnock at the back back end of last season. Eddie Howe rang me up and said, "This kid's, we'd like this kid to be in League One in England, Steve." So I knew I was coming into League One. That had two or three options at a time. So yeah. I went up and I watched him uh, come off the bench at Ibrox and against Rangers in front of four thousand. He'd, he'd um, he, what's the word I'm looking for? He'd a bit inside him. He, yeah. he wanted to play. He wanted to react and. I spoke to Chris Boyd, who's a good friend of mine, of course, who was part of that squad and said, listen, you'll need to walk with him. He's got a lot of development to go, but he's got a lot in the locker. So we, we're pleased we brought him in. He's still developing. He's still learning. I gave Eddie a brief on, on Thursday. And, um, but he'll, 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 um, he'll miss many more penalties like that. He normally, he's normally deadly. He's normally, that's why I don't think there's a player concerned when they throw the ball for the second one. He's, he's finishing his top class. So, um, so he'll be home a little bit disappointed, but we've tried our best to reassure him just what we're thinking. You'd expect him to take another penalty then, given... Oh, yeah, listen, I, I, I wouldn't fret. I know people go about Harry Keegan say that. His penalty taking is, is normally so deadly. Yeah. Um, obviously, when he misses one, which he's unaccustomed to, then you're, you're thinking the goalkeeper, I think, win, win the psychological battle on the second one where he goes. He'll have such a big gap. Yeah. And, and Mika's probably thinking that you are. But, you know, and you have to give the management team at South End credit as well. They'll have done the homework where Mika has put Bentley's. Um, that's an experienced management team that you'd expect to know that. And we remain players of that. But... So we um, went about of business today. We got a win. I think it was deserved. Um, we'll play a lot less, well, a lot less positive football. We'll make a lot less chances and still win. So it was a good day. Hamlin got the third. Um, had a few chances before that, but he comes off to a, a massive applause, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think uh, Brandon could have scored first half. Looks an easy header. Um, but again, he had a willingness to work hard today and a willingness to run behind and cause defenders problems and and and. People forget this one young man. I think he's only 21 years of age as well. We've got a lot of very gifted young players on that pitch when you're talking Ogilvy at the back because, what, 22, 23? Yeah. Young Tom O'Connor made his debut here a few weeks ago. He's 19, 20. Um, I know we get the old stage of with Barry. But other than that, we've got, we've got a young team, two young strikers. You know, and we, we're, as a squad, we're developing, we work hard and we, we have a budget that's in the bottom four. Our chairman's never hidden it, he said at the start of the season. And we're trying to make that bottom four budget a top ten team. 
and that's difficult in League One with the resources and the quality that you play against on a week-by-week -week basis. The result means the Jules move up a place to 15th in League One. Meantime, Gillingham have confirmed their game against Portsmouth this weekend will go ahead. It had been in doubt after three Pompey players were called up for international duty, meaning the opposition could have called for the match to be postponed. But they've said it'll go ahead on Saturday at Fratton Park as planned. And it wasn't such a good weekend for Kent's in Victor Dynamos with back-to-back -back defeats. They were beaten 4-3 by Solent Devils in South Division 1 on Saturday before losing 7-9 to Bracknell Hornets at the ice rink in Gillingham last night. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day and overnight, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.